Welcome to Podship Earth. This is your host, Jared Blumenfeld. Uganda sits on the equator and hugs the shores of mighty Lake Victoria. This country of 40 million is lodged between Kenya, Rwanda, Tanzania, South Sudan, and the Democratic Republic of Congo, and as such, is in many ways at the center of the continent of Africa. Uganda gained independence from British colonial rule in 1962, only to be followed shortly after by one of the world's most brutal dictators, Idi Amin. Amin was also known as the Butcher of Uganda for killing an estimated 300,000 of his fellow countrymen and women. For the last 35 years, Uganda's president has been Yuari Museveni, who took power in January 1986 after a protracted six-year guerrilla war. Uganda's faced many challenges, from an Ebola outbreak in 2012 to a record of persistent economic decline that's left Uganda among the world's poorest and least developed countries. In Uganda, air pollution is a big problem. Michael Wanyama is fighting to do something about it. Michael's taking an innovative approach, working with the mechanics to give them the training needed to reduce auto pollution. I also talked to Michael about how the global used car market, counterfeit car parts, poor air quality monitoring, and extremely weak enforcement are choking Ugandans. I start by asking Michael if he's in Ugandan's capital, Kampala, right now. I'm in Kampala, just about uh, five kilometers from the city center. And tell us about Uganda. Yeah, uh, what I can tell you is that Uganda is a good country. I was born in Museveni's regime. So I cannot tell you about the real, real Uganda before I was born, but we've had stories about Amin. There has been a little bit of a political uh, instability. So we have had uh, general elections uh, in the beginning of this year in January. The outside world, we call it the Pearl of Africa. You know, we have uh, good weather. The, uh, the the nature is really good, except for a few issues like now the one we are working on, uh, like air pollution and other issues. But it's really a good country, and the people are good. So, so Michael, like this has been a tough year for everyone on the planet because of COVID. H- how are people in Uganda coping? Yeah, it's really been tough. Actually, it is still tough. We are uh, just on our way to recovery, but uh, being a developing country. It was uh, hit more in economic terms. Yeah, many businesses uh, were hit. Uh, yeah, recovery plans for some businesses, but uh, it's not uh, informal sector. That's where most uh, Ugandans are earning a living from are still quite challenged. Actually, up to now, some of them haven't started working yet. Schools are just reopening in phases. The interventions that the government did to, to uh, contain the, the spread of the virus was quite good, even though uh, the general population w- could not, like many people, could not uh, observe the health guidelines uh, set by the Ministry of Health. But uh, the overall situation is uh, we have not been affected so much health-wise, but the economic has been hit. There were some travel restrictions, but uh, they were all lifted. 
So people are traveling around, uh, those who are that are in marketplaces. Actually, our main business district, that's Kampala, hosts about uh, 1.5 million people that are living there. But then in the day, on a business day, like, uh, let's say, uh, Wednesday, you'll find another close to 2 million people in the city. So around 3.5 people are in Kampala every day. So like business is coming back to normal. People are traveling. However, being a, a small country, the journeys are not that long. So in terms of health, Michael, one of the things that, that Auto Safety Uganda is focused on it is really the very, very large number of people whose lives are cut short because of air pollution. Tell us about how you started understanding what a big problem air pollution was in Uganda. The program started way back in 2016. Personally, I'm a parent, and uh, before I started this program, uh, we are like one of my children. I have a son. By then, he was about six. He used to be so disturbed uh, by uh, respiratory illnesses, you know, bronchitis and those other related uh, uh, coughs all the time. So this is because where we were living by then. It was near the roadside. So it started with me trying to find out why are we really getting issues with respiratory uh, illnesses. It turned out that uh, it could be air pollution and then to dig deeper uh, transport, not the movement of vehicles themselves only, but even other related activities that contribute to the emissions. And then also we realized, because I, I joined with a number of friends, while we were trying to build this uh, project. And then we, uh, we looked through what kind of interventions the government has put in place to uh, reduce the air pollution, especially that uh, one that is connected to transport. And then we noticed uh, there are a number of gaps within government interventions. We do not have emission standards yet. Uh, by then, we could not even access air quality data it's only until 2018 that uh, Makero University set up a monitoring platform. But before we used to have to only check for air quality data from the American embassy website. So, Michael, before 2018, you had no way of really knowing how bad it was. We could know how bad it was, but there was little data to quantify uh, the level of mm. air pollution. Even right now, it's not that much, but there is progress in terms of monitoring. Many businesses uh, in Uganda, including transport, uh, rely on fossil fuels. This could also lead to the increase in the levels of air pollution because less than 30% of the entire road network that is paved. Okay, wow. So 70% of Ugandans' roads, uh, Michael, I guess that means are unpaved, which is a huge number. Um, what was your training before you got into this work? Personally, I'm a mechanic and I also double as a local IT technician. I thought... There, I could use my, my, my experience and, and expertise in, in, in collaboration with other, uh, other people to bring about change in a, from a dimension that has not been, uh, ventured in before. And that is one area is to train the mechanics because in Uganda to set up a garage, you do not need anything more than a trading license. Most garages are in form of makeshift temporary structures. You do not need to have particular equipment or expertise. And then uh, there are so many mechanics in the country. The way we start uh, the mechanic business in Uganda, 
is that if a boy child fails in school or sometimes due to resource constraints, they would always send them to the garage to go and learn mechanics. And now these people, they learn mechanics from people who learned from other people during the, the, the carburetor vehicle era. And these days, uh, vehicles are more like computers on wheels. So our mechanics having no, most of them having no uh, capacity to do sustainable maintenance, and then the roads being bad, and then also having a lot of uh, used imports in the country because most of us can only afford to buy used vehicles. The new ones can only be afforded by government agencies or uh, international NGOs and a few people, but mostly over 80% of the used imports coming into Uganda uh, they are used. Like right now, when you, you check the vehicles in the road or the average age of the vehicles in Uganda, you would find like most of them are between, uh, 1999 and around 2003. So Michael, on that point, where, where are most of the used vehicles coming from? Most of them are coming from Japan. They're coming from Japan. We have uh, some are coming from Singapore and some from Europe, but uh, the dominant source of used vehicles in Uganda and basically East Africa is Japan. So, I mean, because Japan, you know, prides itself on how clean their vehicles are and how good they're doing on their vehicles. But then once they get old, they send them to Uganda without really checking for the emission controls. And then you have to deal with them. Exactly. And there's a big worry that uh, since those developed countries are getting rid of the fossil fuel-powered vehicles, many of them are coming to Africa. Uganda is a very big importer of used vehicles. So this is likely to make the situation worse because uh, when you look at the interventions in place, still uh, there is a big gap to have a lot of these so Michael, okay, you're you're an IT guy. You're a, a you've got engineering mechanic background. Like your son gets respiratory illness. He's six. Like this is a big investment. When you look in Uganda, you're really the main person pushing to have clean air standards. Like, did you surprise yourself in like getting into this new area? Uh, one of our uh, motivations behind this is to pave way for children in Uganda to breathe clean air because personally i can while at home i can try and uh, limit the exposure of my children to produce the air but then there are millions and millions of parents out there that don't know what to do and then also mm. uh this being something because air pollution in, in uganda is something that is not uh, given much attention by by many people you find that uh, there is lack of awareness among the general population, among the technicians themselves, and then also the the policymakers themselves, because you find that uh, the policies in place, we do not have any kind of regulatory measures on, on garages in regard to emissions. So it is very easy to find uh, a garage uh, near a children's hospital or a preschool and everybody is going to act like it's normal. So these are some of the gaps we want the policymakers to look at. You find that exposure of children to polluted air is uh, at a high rate and then it's very uncontrolled. For instance, uh, this pandemic situation has uh, kind of awakened up a lot of people uh, on like to raise questions on the quality of air we breathe. We are using masks to avoid the spread of uh, COVID-19. But again, we are breathing in bad air. So the little ones systems are still underdeveloped they take in more pollution than adults 
so basically one kind of uh, of thing that drives us to go on with this is to make a difference in public health especially for children we want to bring attention to this issue of air pollution because this is like a pandemic in slow motion michael maybe go through the numbers because they were startling on your website about how many people in uganda um are affected by air pollution every year some studies say it's over 30,000 people that have died from uh, that die from air pollution related illnesses in uganda so it's yeah. it's quite bad the other challenge is is how to quantify the pollution itself but uh, when you look at the records from uh, the diseases that people are dying of mostly they are related to air pollution yeah it seems like a really big problem and when you starting with like family and friends when you tell them this is what i do now i'm trying to help clean up the air do people think oh michael like why are you doing that it's not a big problem or do people like thank god someone's doing something about it i mean people would not get it for example i had a neighbor uh this neighbor of mine he used to have a prado tx a 1997 model a diesel a prado so he's the kind of person who would idle his car like 30 minutes prior leaving home. The fumes would come, move from the exhaust fumes would just fill the entire house. So I, I used to tell him that, you know, this thing you're doing is really, really bad. But uh, he was like, no, I, I don't see any scientific evidence of this. So it's until about over a year when uh, their newborn child got uh, like pneumonia and uh uh, when they, they, they tried to consult with the, the health practitioners, they told them that, like, this could be, uh, due to bad air. So later on, he, like, <laughs> got to realize what he's been doing is, uh, kind of, of uh, affecting his people and even his own health. So at this moment, he's somebody who really feels like he wants to push his car to the main road before he starts it. He even changed <laughs> the petrol car. You get, we have to keep, uh, educating people about this. The first attempts, like, literally don't yield anything, but we have to keep on. We have partnered up with, um, a couple of organizations and we are still seeking more partnerships because if we do this collectively as a big team, then we can make a bigger impact. We are taking on a big problem, but we are lacking visibility. And are there people that are angry at you, like Michael? we got so many problems, why are you focusing on air pollution? Or we sell cars, like we'd rather you not talk about it. Like, has anyone pushed back against you saying that you shouldn't be doing this? You find that the mechanics, some of their activities, most of them, they literally uh, increase to the rate of pollution. For example, one of, one of the common things we have seen around uh, uh, within mechanic activity is the removal of the catalytic converter from uh, vehicles. Sometimes they do it uh, in effort to fix engine problems, but in most cases they do it ignorantly. And another and in other cases uh, maliciously for the platinum content within uh, the components. So. These kind of people, some of them took it as uh, a politically motivated program because within the Kampala uh, metropolitan area, the support for the ruling government is uh, like quite low, especially now, like in the, in, in the recent elections, the, the president did not get much votes within the Kampala area. So, uh, some 
people would think it's politically motivated until we have to take a lot, do a lot of explaining for them to understand that this is not nothing to do with the politics, but it's for our own health and nature. So many have, have tried to push back because you find that the informal businesses, especially those people that are selling uh, uh, car parts and accessories, many of them are selling counterfeit products that uh, potentially uh, increase the emissions within vehicles. For example, uh, when you want a genuine spark plugs for a vehicle, you will have to go mostly for the used ones. And the used ones, you cannot tell how long they are going to work. When you want new ones, you're going to find effects. And now the people that are dealing in, in these counterfeit ones do not want to change. They're like, oh, we are trying to spoil their market. So these also are also the kinds of people that push back. If you and I needed new spark plugs for our car and we went and bought them, the new ones would be counterfeit. And if we put those in our car, how does that affect air quality? The combustion is going no, not going to be uh, efficient. Like uh, the, the way the, uh, the vehicle burns the fuel is going to be incomplete. There is going to be unburned hydrocarbons. The rate of maybe carbon monoxide is going to increase. And the fact that most vehicles do not have working emission control, uh, this becomes worse. And then the fact that we don't have uh, the enforcement on regulating the quality of uh, items entering the country is still weak. And you sent me some videos of trucks that are clearly, you know, carrying things that are like 15 times too heavy and big. And, you know, there's there's all kinds of misuse of vehicles that are also leading to a lot more pollution. Exactly. So... Basically, the whole thing is a mess because you find that uh, since, especially like I said earlier, it's due to lack of awareness. So transport in Uganda is like the highest uh, driver of pollution in the country. If you went or if you worked for a public opinion survey, you know, who does a poll on the street and you ask people throughout Uganda what their top environmental issues were, what would they say? Uh, actually, we have done this before, though we haven't pub uh, published it yet. There are basically two things. Within urban areas, many people complain of the pollution from vehicles. They, many of them do not know the health and ecological impacts, but they see that uh, the, the fumes from the vehicles are really bad. Then secondly, uh, poor waste management, because there is a lot of, uh, of waste burning. The city authorities have put in place measures to collect garbage to, for proper disposal, but still, most people you find that they are, they find it easy to just collect garbage and burn. We still use plastic bags in just about everything. The supermarkets, the small, small shops. So there is a lot of waste plastics that uh, get burnt with, with other uh, kinds of garbage. And this also contributes to the high level of pollution. So they are basically two things, uh, vehicles and waste management. I mean, yeah, and to your point, both of those turn into air quality issues. They could also be with the garbage and waste. They could be litter. But if you're burning the plastic, that's, that's yeah, a big issue. There's big international environmental groups that focus on climate change and air pollution. Uh, they, they also focus on things, when you read about Uganda, it's about protecting wildlife. But are any of the big international NGOs helping you? 
We are still seeking support from them. We have tried to uh, approach uh, WWF, that's the World Wildlife Fund. That was last year, but uh, till now we haven't gotten any any response from them. Yet these are uh, people are uh, supporting many conservation projects uh, on known and wild animals. And there are quite a number of uh, uh, agencies, NGOs, people that are into the air quality space, trying to uh, tackle air pollution, but uh, this is mostly in uh, the area of advocacy. So what do the big organizations, you know, who focus on this kind of stuff, like the World Bank or the United Nations, what what do they say the solution is? What they say is that uh, the best thing to do is to go for uh, low emission vehicles. Even if you give Uganda, like maybe a hundred years to transition to electric, uh, you know, vehicles, we may not reach half half the goal. Uganda right now has uh, close to 2 million vehicles and all of them running on fossil fuels. So another thing we are trying to do if we can, uh, we have a pilot on conversion. So we are looking to like, if, once we get some resources, we want to start conversion of some uh, of the light vehicles, especially those in public transport from running on, fo- on fossil fuels to running on like uh, battery electric for shorter distances within the city. So, Basically, training the mechanics is something that has not been done anywhere else in the sub-Saharan Africa. And this is something that needs uh, much attention because these low-capacity mechanics are the people that work on most of the vehicles. We have some well-organized garages, some of them we are trying to partner with, but they are quite expensive for the average Ugandan. So we are trying to see that... uh, uh, the highest emitters who are within the informal sector uh, learn to do their businesses sustainably because it's even hard to, like, if, if, if let's say, uh, government puts their, like, regulations to enforce or maybe push them out of business, it's even going to be harder on them. So uh, what the best we can do is to make them work sustainably. And some of it feels like enforcement to your point about the government like if if vehicles are coming in even if they're cleaner vehicles you need to make sure that you have the technical expertise in the mechanics to fix them because otherwise to your point you're just taking the catalytic converter out or changing it so that they pollute more um so i really like your approach of working with mechanics directly it feels really hands-on and innovative it's not just focusing on regulation which you are doing um, but when you talk to people in the government and say, this is a big problem, like how how do they receive that information? If the Ugandan government could do something in the next two years, what would it be? Uh, I think one thing we are, we are hoping for is that uh, if the Ugandan government can uh, uh, kind of take this on and, 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 and scale it. For example, if you... Import a vehicle that was manufactured in uh, 2002 into Uganda today in 2021. It's going to be much better and much cleaner than a vehicle that came into Uganda in 2010 and was made in 2010. So this is basically because it's poorly maintained. So the regulations, the technical people, the road infrastructure, they all they all need attention. So these are some of, of, of the kinds of attention that we are, we want the government to focus at. So this is some kind of a pilot that we are, we are trying to see that it gains success so that, uh, 
other people, the, the leaders can take it on to a larger scale. And then we also wish for this to be replicated in other countries in Africa. And then what about, Michael, when you talk to the healthcare professionals, doctors and other people, because they must be seeing people getting sick from air pollution. Are they people that can work with you to, to fight for cleaner air? Yes, we are pushing for that. Uh, we have uh, a couple of doctors. They are hoping us to push for uh, support for this project because they, they understand how significant it is. And what about electric vehicles? I think it's a great, it's a great initiative. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a great way to go. Uganda right now has a, a government backed project that they are trying to build electric buses. But recently we noticed they, they, they built a diesel bus. So uh, I think they have a bit of a mixture of, of, of ideas, of agendas. But like for us, what we are looking at uh, for the average Ugandan who cannot afford to buy a new vehicle is to uh, try and convert that same vehicle to electric. So electrification of transport is something that is... Uh, is going to save so many lives and uh, like nature in, in the entire world. So it's the way to go, electrification. If for somebody cannot uh, uh, go with more sustainable uh, means of transport like cycling, you know, uh, maybe also uh, using uh, public transport, then uh, if they have an electric vehicle, it would be uh, better. But again, also, also there's a challenge to that. We have what we call non-exhaust emissions, and these are uh, the emissions that come from, um, you know, uh, brake, uh, brake wear, tire wear. And the fact that we have a lot of counterfeits that include uh, brake pads and uh, you know, tires, that is also a challenge that the government needs to look at. So basically, uh, even when we have electric vehicles in the country, still we have another big issue to deal with. And those are the quality of parts and accessories from uh, the vehicles. And how do you, Michael, have the energy every day to keep going? Like this is a this is a big struggle. Like, well, how do you find the energy to to start the next day? Yeah, I have energy to 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 go on with this every day. What we are doing and, and aiming to achieve is something that motivates me. And then understanding that uh, I'm also doing something that is going to contribute towards the development of our country. You know, this this also helps boost the economy of, of Uganda because if we can deal with the air pollution and reduce it, and then also the level of uh, of poverty is going to to reduce because Uganda, many people, many people are living below the poverty line, but then they are the same people that are being affected most by air pollution. So if somebody is never getting out of the hospital all the time, hospital bills, and then they are earning very low or sometimes, you know, living under the poverty line. So uh, if the rate of disease goes down uh, due to reduction in air pollution, then also their livelihoods will improve. Yeah, it's amazing that the similar issues around the world with environmental justice uh, just kind of really brings that point home. Finally, what can we what can we do to support you? Uh, basically, uh, we have the expertise and, uh, and 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 the passion to move on with this, so that we can make a big difference in Uganda and beyond. First of all, we need to test for emissions. Uh, because vehicular emissions in Uganda and basically in Africa is under 
uh, under quantified. So if we can do some testing and and maybe monitoring and collect some more tangible data on emissions, then it, it, will, it will also uh, drive more action towards mitigating the problem. So uh, we need resources. If anyone out there, like maybe, for example, if there's an institution or someone works with an institution, an, an institution that has been doing air quality monitoring or emissions testing, and maybe they have some kind of equipment that they no longer need but it could give away, then you would be glad to tap into that uh, opportunity uh, to, to reduce on uh, the costs of the project. And then also, if uh, like maybe for technical support, there could be somebody out there who would want to join us. If somebody could donate to us uh, something as little as, as, as $10 or even less, that is big money to us. It helps us uh, to take on something because we need we, we need a number of equipment spreading the word about what we are doing is also very very important it gives us visibility because what we want to see if uh, also the Ugandan government sees that we have support overseas uh, in the project then they will also you know uh, get on board the air pollution problem is lacking attention, yet it is something that uh, is of urgency. It's causing a lot of uh, uh, lives to be lost and also uh, degrading our nature as a country and also as a world because uh, air pollution is uh, uh, and climate change are two faces of the same coin. A huge thank you to Michael Wanyama for talking with Podship Earth today. When Michael's son came down with asthma, he just wanted it to go away. Little did he realize the journey it would bring him on. He pushed for new laws and enforcement of environmental regulations already on the books, but soon realized that the government didn't want to be part of the solution. Until Michael, businesses in the informal economy had never been approached to see how they could help clean up the air. And he realized mechanics are a key component. Michael's creativity led him to finding out that mechanics are a key component. But each of us also play a role in this story. Just like the Japanese jalopies that are being sold to Ugandans, in California, our old cars are ending up in Mexico. We often think of environmental injustice as happening within a city or state or country, but in the case of cars and many other exports of our used or broken items, there's significant environmental injustices occurring between countries. Please go to the website for this episode at podshipearth.com slash Uganda to see how you can support Michael's work. Thank you so much for being part of the Podship Earth journey and please share Podship Earth with a friend so we can continue to spread the word from the entire Podship Earth crew, sound engineer Rob Spade, executive producer David Kahn, and from me, Jared Blumenfeld. Let's think about how we can accelerate electric vehicle adoption in the world's poorest countries first.